Hello, Logic friends. This is Amanda Elliott, the host of episode 38 with Ardell Materian Pool. Ardell is a junior flame artist and nuke compositor at Framestore in the UK. Ardell has quite the interesting story of when he began in the business. But before flame was even in the picture, he goes all the way back talking about working at Disney Retail, the humorous projects from uni, and how Sony Vegas was part of his inspiration to be where he is today. So stick around until the end to hear his inspirational story about how he went from someone who didn't even know what a compositing artist was to transitioning into one himself. Hope you enjoy the episode. And now, a word from our sponsors. This episode of The Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to The Logic family our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. If you, if you need any help with roto, paint, 3D match move, or cleanup, I highly encourage you to give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com How's it going? It's good. It's good. I'm good. Work's been busy. Yeah? Everything's everything's good. My birthday tomorrow. Looking forward to that. That's right. Oh my gosh. Happy early birthday. Yes. We Thank talked you. about this. Thank I remember you, you saying that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, yeah, turning 25, so that's a, it's a milestone, I think. It's a milestone. Yeah, why not? I'm saying it's a milestone. Yeah, it's a milestone. so I, yeah, I'm just going to have a chill one. Kind of sucks that it's on a Sunday, because I've got work the next day, but you know, it's fine. We enjoy our jobs. It's okay. It's all good. <laughs> but why don't you, you could do a birthday weekend. Birthday weekend, man. I could, I could, uh, yeah, I could do. Like, so yeah, technically I could throw something tonight, really last minute spontaneous. And then carry that into tomorrow. You could have started it last night, if you think about it. <laughs> Take the whole weekend. I could have. I could have. It is actually currently going on. It's just, just happening out there. I've just taken a break. You're taking an hour break with me. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how, uh, yeah, it's the kind of person I am, I guess. Dude, you got so much cool stuff going on right now. Seriously, when we were chatting, yeah. was it just like last week, looking at your LinkedIn and just chatting for a little bit? Oh, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's only getting busier. That's the crazy thing. Yeah, last year was mental. <laughs> last year was crazy. Yeah, where do we start, man? Like, I, I think don't we know. should start even before last year. Yeah. I feel like maybe, should we talk about how I got into visual effects in the first place and flame and and let's even go back all the way to like remember we talked about uh the english oh my god like the cast member wow oh yeah we're going there we're going way back okay <laughs> yes we're going way back yeah <laughs> but, um <laughs> what's your what's your song yeah no just just go way way back oh my god so yeah okay so first job yes so as amanda said i used to do <laughs> maths and english tuition wow yeah after school uh well it was actually well it was after you uh after sick form which is like what's that in the states that's like high school i guess kind of well okay it's the later years of high school it's definitely before college so before uni for us okay and i was yeah i was doing that as a, as a sort of job evidently just trying to make money as a as a young i think i must have been like 17 at the time uh just a teenager a baby I, yeah, yeah. But I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do in the grand scheme of things. I knew that wasn't what was going to be my career. I didn't actually at that point really know. I knew I wanted to do something in film or TV or TV and film, something like that. And I knew I wanted to do something creative. And I was really into like animation and editing at the time. I was really into 
Sony Vegas, which was my editing software at the time. Sony Vegas? Explain that. What's that? Sony Vegas. I don't know if it's even still a package, but it was basically like a, it was a, it was a Sony product. It was a Sony bit of software and it was really basic. You had a timeline, you had some basic effects. You didn't have any, you didn't really have any compositing effect. There was not, there was no compositing uh, function. So what you had to do is you had to be really creative with the tools that you had in place to be able to do cool compositing stuff. Uh, Like, like, like I think, I think like blue screen and green screen was like the only tools you had. That was it. So everything else transition wise, I think there was like a, there wasn't even like a roto tool. It was really basic. And I just used to do like really, really like cheesy videos of me and my mates. Just really like just film stuff, like really, really like stupid stuff. <laughs> it was it was good because it taught me the fundamentals of a timeline and how to. I guess that was like sort of the first bridge into into anything like that. Yeah, Sony Vegas. It, I would say it was probably responsible for me getting into Flame. But I mean, that's a big shout. That's a big reach. <laughs> big reach. <laughs> Ooh, I gotta Google this now. Let's see. Okay, okay. Vegas Edit and Vegas Edit Pro. Yeah. That's the one. Oh. Yeah, I encourage anyone who is able to try it out to try it out because it's actually really easy to use. And I hadn't touched Premiere ever. Like I hadn't, I hadn't touched Premiere till I was, I think it wasn't until I was like 19, maybe 18. It's kind of like like if iMovie and Premiere had a baby. I never really used to use iMovie. So yeah, Sony Vegas was the one I remember. Oh, that's neat. Okay. I think it was like 60 pounds for a license back then. And I think I asked for it for one of my birthdays. Very, very good investment, I think. Um, <laughs> so yeah, then I then I went to uh, uni. I chose to do the art of visual effects at a place called Escape Studios, which specialized in visual effects. I guess at that point, I I knew I wanted to get into visual effects. I had a cousin, I have a cousin in the industry still. At the time, he was at MPC. And nice. he was, I didn't even know what he did. I didn't even know what visual effects was. I just sort of, I'd heard of it. And I liked the idea of 3D modeling at the time. I was really, I really liked the idea of actually becoming a sculptor in like ZBrush or, uh, or use Maya. I was, I was like using Maya way more than anything. And I was like, I'm going down the CG route. And then I started this course. It was a three year long course, which by the end of it, you get a graduate degree and you can go off and find a job. That was the plan. But I did that. I did that course and something changed halfway. I think in my second year, I was like, right. I'm going to drop the whole CG route. I'm not doing that anymore. Wow. Which was weird because I was really strong in that at the beginning. I I remember being really good at it. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, as good as I could have been (laughs) as a student back then. I I was impressing myself, which I thought was, (laughs) you know, a sign of me being good. I don't know. What are some of the projects that you were working on? It was, it was a range of different things. We had to do, we all had like, I think there must have been like 25 students in my class, I think, maybe more. And there was a range of different stuff. There was one where we had to model like a photoreal object. I chose my skateboard and I did, I did, it was, it was really funny because I did a really good job (laughs) at making it look like in CG, I textured it and I made it look really beaten up, but the wheels were so pristine. The wheels were just like white. Like, I I don't know why I just forgot to add any sort of like weathering (laughs) to the wheels. So it looked a little bit weird. Well, maybe it was a hoverboard than a skateboard. That's what I was trying. No, I should have. I should have said that. You didn't use the wheels. <laughs> you were making the futuristic hoverboard, man, from the very beginning. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I don't think my teachers saw it that way. But I thought it looked quite cool. Who knows? Or maybe you just got new wheels. No, I don't know. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. These are the kind of things I guess you got to sort of try and improvise on the spot to try and justify 
But I think it, I think, yeah. I think it was quite good. But then I had, um, there was another project and that was when I was like, okay, no, this is really cool. And that's when I was like, okay, I actually really like CG. We did a tracking project where we had to track a scene and then model something into the scene. So I did a telephone box. I, I shot some footage in London and London looks like any corner of London looks like it could have a telephone box in it. It just does. So I thought it would work really well. Mm-hmm. And then I spent about a month researching telephone boxes around London and trying to create the most accurate, visually convincing telephone box that people wouldn't, people just wouldn't suspect was CG. Uh, at the time, I thought it was really good. I looked at it recently and it's not as convincing. Track is bobbing a bit and... <laughs> Yeah, the black points on the telephone box aren't really <laughs> matching with the plate and it's all a bit all over the place. But back then, at the time, I was really happy with it. And also, I was really excited that I was learning all these new things and I got exposed to like tracking and all that stuff um, and modeling. But then I, I think it happened at the beginning of my second year, I think end of first year, beginning of maybe halfway through the second year. I don't know what happened. I just was like, okay, I'm going to become a compositor and that's it. I just like woke up one day and I was like, that's, that's the route, which was really odd. And I don't know exactly know why. And I still don't exactly understand how I decided to come to that conclusion and be like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to be a compositor because I was so CG heavy. And it, it surprised everyone in the uni. Everyone was like, what is, mm-hmm. no, that's not right. He's, he's fallen over and hit his head or something. This is <laughs> wrong. But I just, I just sort of, I, do you know what it was? I actually, I think I thought about the reason why. I decided to become a compositor mm-hmm. and I think it was mainly I think it was myself thinking how can I get in the industry quicker and I knew that paint and roto was an option and I knew that paint and roto was kind of a thing that's kind of always in demand and that's I think I think mm-hmm. psychologically that's actually where my head was going and that's the reason I chose that. That's not a bad reason at all, yeah. I think also there was a there was definitely an aspect of I actually like compositing. This is kind of cool. I kind of saw it as like a the end of this, you know, it was the final sort of stage. You're there, you're layering uh, all these different parts together. My cousin always describes it really well. And I, I either get laughs or I either get like, oh, that's that makes sense. But he describes compositing as like baking a cake and you get all these ingredients. So you have like CG, anim, you know, lighting, backplate, I don't know, all these different things. And you're sort of just baking it into a cake. And I don't know why, when he told me that, I was just like, yes, that sounds ideal. I want to be there and I want to see it all progress. This is good. I also like the birthday theme you got I hadn't going even on thought here. about that. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to have a compositing great. themed cake tomorrow. <laughs> it's just going to be a mountain of work. <laughs> that's what's going to, that's going to be my cake. Telephone <laughs> yeah, booth. <laughs> model that you've got a day. I wonder, I want to, I do often think if I set myself a challenge to do it again, how convincing I could do it now. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's not what I'm going to do on my birthday, but I, you know, it's a nice idea. Um, but yeah then I so yeah that was uni and then I got to the end of uni so after your compositing epiphany yeah oh god and then I just did a bunch of roto for a really long time that was pretty much it (laughs) no um I so yeah then my yeah so once I had my compositing epiphany my my priorities I guess were changed quite quite suddenly I was like right well I can't really focus on modeling anymore and tracking I'm gonna learn how to roto and I'm gonna learn how to posit I guess <laughs> yeah I guess that's that's what it was and I, I, more importantly I was gonna learn nuke more like fluidly because I hadn't really I was not comfortable with nuke at all when I chose compositing why is that I I don't know I just I, I couldn't get my head around it 
for me, the idea this is the, this is the mental part. I really didn't know how to do compositing at all. I need to stress that. Like the idea of Neek stressed me out. <laughs> the idea of Neek stressed me out. It gave me anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of compositing didn't make any sense to me. I love the idea of it. It just didn't make any sense to me. And using the software mm-hmm. from from someone who came from like a timeline based tool, and even after that, when I was doing basic compositing, I was using After Effects, and that still had like a timeline. I was still used to that. So when I was was thrown into this sort of world of node based compositing, and I've got the, all these like nodes that do all these different things, and I'm like, okay, well, the only knowledge I really have of compositing is from Photoshop. How do I cut something out? Oh, that's called rotoscoping, and then it's all this this bridging of of skills and i just i didn't know it at all i guess but something drew me to the idea of it i was like okay i'm gonna learn it so i needed to learn nuke pretty much from scratch because i just abandoned it whilst everyone else was learning it I, I was only focusing on maya and and only maya really that was it were you watching nuke tutorial videos yeah i was and that's how that's how i learn uh well i also started just paying attention in class to the new collection <laughs> which which probably that'll do it probably actually is what speeded it up <laughs> i i also ended up asking a lot of my friends for help and they've done amazingly to get me where i needed to be so like i i, I definitely definitely did a lot of that there was definitely a lot of oh can do you mind showing me this do you mind showing me that but after a while it started becoming second nature and i think i picked it up pretty quickly yeah, I, I think it was it was almost a natural progression. I don't, I, I don't think, I think putting myself out there to be like, okay, you need to learn this sort of forced me to relearn it because I needed to quickly learn it because we had like work that we had to hand in, compositing work. Once I decided I was going to join the compositors, yeah, this is at uni, yeah, still. You put yourself in the hot seat, literally. Yeah, I did, I did. And there was only so much sort of, you know, asking my mates to do the work for me that I could get away with. I had to actually do it myself. <laughs> so. It was. It, it became real really quickly. But I think, weirdly enough, that will show through how my career has gone is that when I get thrown into these sort of situations where I have to learn something really quickly, I tend to do it quite quickly. It's also something that I enjoy. As I was as I was learning Nuke, I realized, okay, no, this is what I want to be doing until I discovered, you know, how difficult it can be sometimes. So I'm guessing you passed the class. I did. I did. I did pass. I graduated. <laughs> I graduated. And before I... Yeah, so... Yeah, we get to the end of uni. This is actually before we graduated. We have an end of month showcase of all our work. And we did this crazy, when I say crazy, it was crazy for us. Looking back at it, it wouldn't even make a trailer. It was four shots, all filmed in my back garden, <laughs> green screens. And, and and my friend dressed up like a really badly cast Indiana Jones, like really badly cast. We were just trying to create this like almost Indiana Jones-esque thing i don't know like it was just it was just a guy climbing on this like sort of mayan looking rock that was also a cube that was floating in the air it was really bizarre but then we just we did it all we did all the cg we did all the compositing and we showed it and we were really happy with it i think at the time that's good yeah i think i think it went really well because only a couple days before we were at risk of losing all the work like one of the laptops of the server, I don't know, at uni, it was something just crashed and we lost everything. Oh, man. Yeah. Our team lead at the time almost had a nervous breakdown. Um, but it all worked out. It all worked out in the end. It's funny how things work out. And it did. But what at that event where we were showing our work, I bumped into a recruiter at Framestore. Well, recruiter for Framestore. And what event was this again? This was just like the escape sort of uh, our uni sort of end of year showcase so basically all the graduates mm. show their work 
Mm-hmm. We hadn't even graduated at this point, I should mention. Our graduation was a couple months later, but our uni year was kind of done. So we sort of saw it as our graduation. I ended up getting, well, I don't know if, I, I, I think I actually approached the recruiter. I, I, I won't lie. I, I definitely approached the recruiter. I was kind of hoping they would run up to you, Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, or something like that. No, didn't. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would be brilliant. Uh, yeah, I think I would have gone very differently. Probably would have. Um, it was, yeah, no. So I think I, I think one of my friends was actually talking to the recruiter. I didn't know she was a recruiter. And he went away, I think, to grab a drink. He was a nervous wreck after, after showing that all his work, <laughs> barely getting it on the screen. Um, so I saw this recruiter start talking. She said she was from Framestore. I was like, oh, that's crazy. My cousin, this cousin that I mentioned earlier, who was working at NPC, I said he just started at Framestore because he'd just, he'd just uh, gone to Framestore. He was at Weta after NPC, uh, then then ILM, and then Framestore. Oh, wow. Nice. And then when he came back to Framestore, I remember that distinctly because I was like, oh, if he goes to Framestore, it'd be really cool if I started working at Framestore. Because I remember just thinking, I've just graduated. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll work at Framestore. I didn't think anything crazy of it. But that was a thought that was always in my head. Yeah, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little, little, yeah, you know, just crazy. But, you know, so I mentioned to her, I was like, oh, my cousin just started there. And she was like, oh, that's crazy. And then we started talking. Uh, it was really casual, like sort of casual event, you know. She was like, oh, well, give me your email and I'll shoot you a message if we can sort out an interview or not even an interview. It was, she didn't even call it an interview. She called it a like just a chat yeah like a meet and greet kind of thing yeah yeah like a meet and greet they never call it an interview so if anyone is ever thinking oh like how do i start off as a runner anywhere they'll never offer you an interview <laughs> I've, I've learned that it's, it's just the who you know and it's just you show up and then you know but in my head i was like okay maybe it's their way of making it like less formal i think so like relax by calling it like a meet and greet or a chat yeah but then funny enough so this this leads to the whole um my time at disney Oh, God, I was wondering where we we're going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I've dragged it out. I tried to, yeah, I don't really focus on that point. Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat right now. <laughs> I know. I know. So at this time, so yeah, I gave the recruiter my email thinking I'm not, I'm not, nothing's going to happen. Like she's probably said that to like everyone here. What are the chances she's going to, you know, email me? And then I woke up and I should mention at this time I was working in the Disney store in Oxford Street, the Disney. So <laughs> I was, I was, I basically said, cool. yeah, hit me up for this job, <laughs> although I've got another job. So it was a Friday and I was getting ready for my shift at the Disney store. And I woke up and I saw that I got an email from the recruiter saying, hey, can you come in at like 12? Bearing in mind, I started work at Disney at one. So I didn't give me a lot of time, but I thought this is probably you know, a good thing. I should probably do this. How, how much am I enjoying working for Disney right now? I need to be careful with saying that because Disney are everywhere. And I feel like me saying I might have not completely enjoyed working for them sometimes could come back to hurt me. But uh, no, no, I did. It was just, you know, it was, it's, it's retail, you know, ask, ask any, any uni student yeah. how they feel about working in retail. And I guarantee you, none of them are going to be like, that's what I want to be doing right now. I mean, some of them might. No, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I could see myself, like I said at the beginning, you know, I wanted to get into film and I saw, okay, Framestore's a film company. They do cool stuff. They worked on Avengers and other Marvel stuff. And I'm currently selling Marvel toys. You know, I want to work on the Marvel stuff. I don't want to be doing that. So I went to Framestore and I had the chat with the head of the runners. And I wasn't, I really wasn't expecting 
anything of it. I got had a tour of the building. It was really nice. I was like, I could see myself working here. It was a fresh new building. They just moved into Chancery Lane. I was like, okay, this is really cool. Then the head of the runner program was like, hey, when can you start? Can you start today? And I was like, I've actually got to go to my other job um, <laughs> that I now have, but I'll go tell them that I'm stopping there soon. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I was really happy. I left, and I was I was happy to be a runner because I was just like, oh, I'm in the I'm in a cool place. Your foot in the door. I my foot's in the door, and that's all that mattered. So about this time, it's twelve thirty, and you've got to run out the door for your one o'clock job. <laughs> it's 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 closer. It's closer to twelve thirty. It's 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 closer to one. I think it's like it's like twelve forty five. I remember being a little bit late to work. I distinctly remember that because I was late, and for some reason, I wasn't I wasn't bothered. I wasn't annoyed. Usually, I'd be quite annoyed with myself. I'd be like, "Oh, dude, why are you late? Like, come on, be organized. Mickey's not going to be happy." Um, but <laughs> You know, <laughs> I, I think, I think, you know, I think I was just so happy with the whole frame store thing happening. I was just like, okay, yeah, no, this is, this is really cool. And I had a big grin on my face the entire shift. And then basically, because at that point, uni had stopped. We were just waiting for our graduation. Uni had stopped. So I was working Monday to Thursday at frame store and then Friday to Saturday at Disney. So I only had one day off and I was doing that for like a month. And the reason I need to do that is I needed to give Disney the sort of notice period to be like, I'm going. They were like, no, you need, you know, there's a notice period. I was like, okay, fair enough. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and then pretty much as soon as that happened, Framestore was like, okay, you're full-time now runner. So I was there all the time. And then within my first week of being a runner, I'd met the head of 2D in the advertising the and the episodic Basically, everything that isn't film, we call it IA, so it's integrated advertising. It's basically the umbrella for everything other than film. We work in TV, we work on attractions, we work on adverts, everything, pretty much, apart from film. And just to back up for a second, you're saying that you met the recruiter at this event, and then you hadn't even graduated yet. Two months later, you graduate, and somewhere in the same time period, you got hired. Yes, so this is all within a span of just a couple months of like graduating? Yeah. Yeah. So I should I should say, so basically I hadn't even graduated yet. I was still a runner. I actually got hired and then graduated. I, when I say hired, I, I mean, I actually got hired <laughs> as an artist. I was already already hired by Framestore for quite a while. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. No, no, it's, it's really, really cool. Yeah. I felt quite proud of that. You should be. Yeah. I went to my graduation. I was kind of like, hey, how's it, how's it going, guys? Just hired by Framestore. I don't know if anyone heard. Right. And Framestore is a good place too. So yeah, you lucked out. <laughs> yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah. So I'd, I'd met the head of 2D and I'd expressed that I really wanted to get into comp. And I understood that really the, the way to get into that was paint and roto. And at this point, I was still a runner. And she said, okay, well, you know, I've looked at your reel, want you in the team. Let's see what we can do. And I was like, okay, cool. That's really cool. Like, you know, second day at the job and I've already met the person who should probably get me a spot. And I'd already had a meeting with her and I was like, this is amazing. Second day on the job. Yeah. And that's what I tell everyone though. When you get into a run, all you want to do is try and meet the right person and try and build a good relationship and show mm -hmm. them that you're worth being the yep. person that they invest their time into. Because I think, I think that's what it was. It was just like, like I said, I had my foot in the door and it was like, okay, now I can literally go, I have an email. I have like my name at Framestore. I can literally just message anyone mm -hmm. I want. Be like, oh, hey, I'm me. I'm a runner. I really want to get into this. You mind having a chat or a coffee or something? Smart. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, and it, and it, it did pay off. And yeah, so I had this chat 
but there was nothing in Painoroto at the time. I think there was four Painoroto artists in IA, which was which is actually probably like quite a lot considering when we all went remote, a lot of that work was actually, you know, outsourced some of it. And I think four Painoroto artists, I think might be the highest we've ever actually had at Frames whilst I've been around. So I was like, there's no way I'm getting in. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's a chance, but it might take a really long time. And also, I don't know if I'm that good. I started having doubts pretty much. The head of 2D was really, really adamant that I consider editorial and said, how do you feel about editorial? She said, we've got this position. Have you ever, have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought about doing editorial? You're like, I, I don't know if you know, but I know Vegas. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm down with this pretty old school bit of kit. It's pretty, pretty cool. I can bring my own license. They're pretty rare. Here's my business card with Vegas on it. Uh, yeah, a Vegas editor. Yeah, honestly. That, so anyway, so I was, I was just like, yeah, okay, well, look, I don't really want to be serving coffees anymore. You know, I, I want to get my foot into as, as a person who actually sits on a computer. Okay. I've become a runner. Now what's the next step? How do I get into, how do I sit behind a desk? Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll take editorial. I've been a runner two days. What's next? Yeah. Yeah. Two days. <laughs> Honestly, and bearing in mind, I was literally only running for a couple of weeks. I was such an impatient runner. There's so many people who are probably going to hate me for just, it was literally, I think I got, yeah, I got, I think I got promoted very quickly. I'm very lucky. But at this point, yeah, I didn't get promoted. I got put on what's called a secondment, which is basically up to three months. You can go in like a trial shift, be like, okay, how would you feel in this position? Mm -hmm. And so I I did editorial and I was using Hero and I never used Hero in my life. That's a lie. I'd use Nuke Studio in uni, which has got, it's kind of like Hero. Hero is the timeline, but you know, but it it was really good. And it, it was probably the most important role I've had at Framestore, I would say, being an editorial, because it taught me like the core fundamentals of the pipeline, like every single stage. I saw beginning to end everything. I was in reviews. I was client facing. I had to pick up stuff really quickly. I was always on a job from beginning to end. And it it just taught me like really good skills. Do you feel like those skills also apply now that you're a compositor? Yeah, 100%. I would say there are so many things. I think cause, because like now that I'm in Flame, especially, if I hadn't learned any of those editorial skills, like now when I'm bringing in a project and I'm conforming and I'm pushing out those plates and I'm working on those plates and I'm bringing them back into Flame, that entire process, that entire pipeline, me having my own structure, I wouldn't know nothing if it wasn't for editorial. Yeah, knowing editorial is so important. It's massive, like pushing stuff out with handles, that and being like wise about that so it doesn't come back and kick you when you're like oh no I don't have enough to do this time walk I get that all the time mm-hmm. and I think that was sort of Framestore's plan when they saw that okay yeah we could get him into Painoroto but let's see how he feels about this because I became like this mega force almost afterwards <laughs> where I was like I can do anything <laughs> <laughs> which is how I felt that's how I felt in my head I, I was like I once I because once I started picking up nuke and then i knew i knew nuke and hero i was like this is amazing just wait till you see my indiana jones comp man yeah yeah oh my god no that was never surfacing (laughs) i need to find out where that is and delete it we're gonna find it immediately actually yeah you probably will (laughs) i think it's pretty easy to find so yeah i i was doing editorial for about two years so after the three year thing they they sort of they came out and they said oh you know you're not bad at this we'd like to hire you and i was so happy i was like oh my god i'm not a runner anymore officially up until then Mm -hmm. i was still unsure how i should address myself because i was like oh i'm doing this but you know i'm still technically a runner. i could always go back there was no like contract to be like you you are now an editor Mm -hmm. or you know an editorial so yeah they hired me as a junior vfx editor and i was really happy and started working on really cool shows like the witcher and uh lovecraft and 
definitely some other ones. That's cool. So this is a couple years from you being the runner editorial. Yeah. So I think I was a runner for about three months and then editorial. And then I did editorial for a bit and then COVID happened. Mm. At that point, they wanted to promote me to Painoroto. And basically what happened was I got promoted. Then everyone got sent home work and the editorial team needed some assistance. They were really like sort of down Mm -hmm. because a lot of people weren't set up from home and I was. So they said, how do you feel about doing editorial alongside your Painoroto? And I was like, yeah, I can do. Don't mind. And I really hadn't done any training with Painoroto at that point because we just got sent home. And usually I would be in the office interacting with the artists and getting the help I needed there. Mm-hmm. So I was really solely like only doing editorial. Occasionally I was doing a bit of Painoroto and then really for about the entire of, I would say for about six months, I was heavily juggling Painoroto and editorial at one time. Oh, wow. Like, hev- like sometimes being solely the the editorial person on a project, but also being Painoroto slash comp person on a project as well. Um, and I did that. I did that quite a lot. And then at one point, I was just like, this has to end. I can't do both of these. Uh, but thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, at that point, I think editorial kind of came back and they were like, okay, you know what? We've realized like you should be only doing one of these things now. You're voted into that role. Mm-hmm. And then I did Painoroto for only a little bit because, well, I did it for about a year. Two days. No, two weeks. (laughs) No, not quite. In my head, it feels like that sometimes. But in actuality, I think it was was quite a bit longer. Because basically with Painoroto, I think for I was doing Painoroto for about six months, I think. And then really amazing opportunity came up. Very spontaneous and very random opportunity. I got asked, I I guess I got approached to go on set for a show called Man vs. B for Netflix. And it had Rowan Atkinson in it. And it was tv Ooh. effectively film it was tv on a film budget and i was like what no this is mental i'm mm-hmm. still paying a roto barely and you know everything's moving so quick and <laughs> oh my god slow down that was like literally my initial you know response to it and there was an awesome visual effects supervisor called rob duncan who i owe a lot to really he's basically the reason i go on set now for myself as well but i think the opportunity to work with him and he'd worked on so much like doctor strange you know all these films i i love for for their visual effects i was like okay yeah it'd be cool to work with him so that was one of the factors that sort of encouraged me to do it and also i thought how many times am i gonna be able to spend four months in a remote location with rowan atkinson mr bean and and you know live to tell the tale i think it's an amazing sort of thing and i was just like, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna turn that down and also i didn't have to be behind my computer for quite quite a long time which is nice i think you need a break away from it hmm, that's nice so yeah i went on set and i had like no on set experience and then within a month or so we were like pros at it i think we were just yeah i think we surprised a lot of different departments by how quickly we picked it up did they know that you didn't have an experience no, they didn't. No, it was only until later I found out about that. But it was really cool. I sort of, you know, I learned how I learned a lot about from the from the supervising point of view, what to look out for. I learned a lot from the data acquisition, uh, the wrangling side of it and how to make things easier in posts whilst you're on, you know, in the shoot. And and eventually when that came to an end, I uh, when I came back from set, I got promoted into comp and I started comping on the show man versus b in post and then we delivered it and then that was amazing and that was that 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 show was crazy but i had such a crazy responsibility with it i was sort of thrown in the deep end because the visual effects supervisor rob had this crazy idea um, <laughs> for the b vision that we have in man versus b which is the b's point of view where we were going to use this mm-hmm. 360 camera which was made up of i don't know i think six yeah six 4k cameras on a sh- on a camera called the insta 360 pro 
oh, that camera is so cool. Yeah. I actually have one that I put on my motorcycle when I go on rides. Yeah. Oh, the video is so much fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's a pain to stitch. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say is that, uh, so, so this, this was the thing is that it was, you know, this, this idea was that we were going to, you know, put this camera at the end of almost like a monopod and run it around doing a bee's flight path. And we were going to be able to like sort of move the lens anywhere we wanted in, in three dimension, no, sort of basically 360. We could basically just move it wherever we wanted and create our own, you know, unique animations. And we could also change the focal length because you can punch in and punch out. It's really cool. Only issue with that is that in classic sort of slapstick fashion and comedy, you want to get really close to the subject. There was occasionally some shots where we were getting really close to Rowan's face and the camera was breaking. The stitch was just not working, you know, because you've got two cameras, mm. you know, right in between a subject. It's just not, not able to stitch. So I spent about probably a year working on that show total through R&D testing of the, the B-Vision stitching the lens and then on set and then doing live stitches with the director on, on set and then executing it all for final comp. It was a lot, but I think it taught me very quickly, like basically every stage into how to be client facing, which was like my big sort of like, oh my God, this is it. Mm -hmm. I could maybe do this more often. That's sort of how I felt. And I think Framestore knew that as well, but they were like, okay, in what sort of scenario can we have Ardell sort of continuously do this instead of going on set for like four months? And then, you know, advertising came to be. And I found myself going on sets mm -hmm. for ads all of a sudden. Framestore was sending me, uh, we did this massive Paramount campaign. I was there. There was a bunch of ads that I was doing and a McDonald's ad I did as well. And I could see that being a thing. And I, I sort of soon came really, really attracted by the idea of ads. And I started working on ads more. And then I remember I had my annual appraisal and I joked around at the idea, really. It was, it was really a joke. I said, they were like, oh... Is there anything you would like to learn or is there anything you would like to maybe do next year or are there any achievements or like sort of things you want to tick off? And I said, oh, you know, it'd be quite cool to learn flame. That's all I said. I literally said, oh, it'd be quite cool to learn flame. <laughs> just throwing it out there. And I didn't really think anything of it. And I actually, it was more so me just saying it because I'd heard it was quite cool and never really had actually heard anything else about it. Didn't really know what it was, mm -hmm. but they were like, oh, okay. And they didn't really say anything much about it. And then I went to Canada for my cousin's wedding. And whilst I was there, I got an email that said, hey, can you hop on a call? And there was a meeting attachment that said, Ardell Flame. That's all it said. It just said my name and flame. And I was like, <laughs> what? And bear in mind, this was like six months later after I'd mentioned it. So it was quite a while. Seems like they almost forgot about it for a while. <laughs> I'd forgotten about it. <laughs> I was looking at it, go, uh, trying to figure out. I was like, "What is? What do they? What is flame?" I was so confused. I basically just replied to them and said, "Hey, look, I'm on holiday at the moment. Is it something that can wait until I'm back?" And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we'll, we'll come back." But that was a terrible decision on my part because then I was just thinking the entire time I was like, "What is this meeting about? What 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 have I done? Have I broken one of the flames? <laughs> what does it mean?" <laughs> yeah, like what what is flame? You know, still this sign. I really didn't know what flame was. And then I hopped on the call when I got back to the UK and it was pretty much them saying, look, we think your skills, positing knowledge and your editorial knowledge and your on-set knowledge now could really be valuable in a position like Flame. And I was like, you know, I was just nodding. I was like, yeah, sounds cool. Flame. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> I know all about it. And then they sent me sort of like a job description of what the job would entail. And I looked at it and went... And I think the first thing on it was like versioning, clocking, mastering for broadcast. And I just looked at all those words and I just went, I don't know what any of those mean. 
Like, I have no idea what clocking <laughs> is. I have no idea what mastering is. I didn't know what an audio relay was. There was so, there was so there were so many different things. I was just looking at it. I was just like, yeah, okay. I don't know what any of these are, but I'm willing to learn. It was still that sort of willing to learn. Everything is foreign to you at the time, yeah. Yeah, it was just that. It was that sort of okay. I'm going to jump in the deep end again. I did it with editorial. I did it with new. I'm going to do it with this as well. Been doing it your whole life. <laughs> doing it every aspect of my life is that. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'm willing to give it a go. And then it became real very quickly that Flame is very different to Nuke. And at first I was sort of very, very, I was, I, was, I don't know if I'd made the right decision, let's just say. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? This is so foreign. I don't know what I'm looking at. What I get myself into. <laughs> yeah. Why am I comping from left to right instead of up to down? What's going on? This is just crazy. What is a batch? <laughs> I didn't understand the action. I didn't know what an action was up until maybe recently. I've totally figured out what. I don't think anyone really figures out what an action is totally all the time. What is an action? Yeah, it just has so many different layers and I'm just diving in. And I'm just like, oh my God. And everything, you know, there's, there's so many ways to do things. Everyone's so senior in my team. And you know what? Believe it or not, there used to be a point in Flame where there was no batch. Oh my God. Can you believe that? Simpler time. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't exist at one point. Uh, oh my God. It was just action. People got the same stuff done just in action. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It, it's This is the thing. I was just there. I was like, I just want to learn. That was it. I was just like, I'm just going to learn. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go up to all these like flame artists, all these senior guys who are like, you know, legends at what they do. And I'm just going to watch them. And that's what I did. And yeah, that was back in, oh my God, when did I, time to whip up the LinkedIn. Where's the LinkedIn? Where are you? Oh my God, that was August. Yeah. So in August, I joined Flame. And now we're in Feb and it's been crazy. It's It's been amazing. I'm really busy. Uh, I've definitely picked it up. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, no, about time. Honestly. <laughs> I was going to say, it's been a couple of weeks, man. <laughs> it's been a, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm losing my record. I'm just picking stuff up really quickly. Flame was a whole different monster. But no, I think I picked it up quite quickly. I think because I think the timeline I picked up super quickly because of, you know, what I'd done in editorial and hero and of course, Sony Vegas. How can we forget that? <laughs> uh, how can we forget that Sony Vegas? Speaking of editorial, now that you're a compositor, how do you feel that editorial has benefited you now? I still would, I would say that if every comp I knew could go through editorial, I would say they should. I don't know how that would be possible. I agree with you. Yeah. But maybe they can, I think, I think, I think it teaches you. It's weird because in the moment you can't really think of what they are, but it definitely teaches you like core habits when where you're doing stuff or especially advertising where you're doing stuff really quickly and you're constantly referencing something like an offline, for example, being able to organize yourself so that the plates you push out are already going to match your offline when you export them. So when you drop them in your comp and they're already good to go, stuff like that. I know there's a couple of compositors who struggle with stuff like that. It's because they don't see it as a timeline sort of thing. They don't see it as clips going over each other in a timeline. It's just, it's just, it's just elements, you know, it's, it's seen as elements, but it isn't. Exactly. Yeah. It isn't elements all the time. You know, you've got, you kind of, and that's the weird thing. I used to see it mm-hmm. like that. I used to see it very much like elements, but now I do, even if I'm not in flame, if I'm purely comping in nuke, I still sort of see it as a, as a timeline where I'm kind of like, okay, I'm going to comp this layer A over layer B. Mm-hmm. At what point in my timeline does layer A over layer B sort of intersect? Mm-hmm. And you can see it, like your brain can map out what it looks like. And it's super important. Yeah. And that way, looking at the timeline, you can also understand more of what the editor is thinking too. Like, why are they putting a million of these little I cuts so, yeah. when it could just be a time warp or just little things, fluid yeah. warps. And you, yeah. get a, you get a sense for like what the, the yeah. editor is trying to convey by understanding timeline more. 
I definitely think so. I think it's super important for anyone who wants to start doing stuff maybe on their own as well. You know, if they if they want to get more into sort of taking on projects within their own sort of space that they can take out really quickly, like sort of small clients sort of coming in with bespoke jobs where you don't necessarily need a team, mm-hmm. where you're able to sort of conform, push out, organize the work and bring it in hold everything in flame if you want and it is it is super powerful and i think every time i show people flame they almost look at it and go okay i don't really get it all the time is the first thing i get is like i don't really get it but it does look cool and i was like it does it does look cool and and that was my sort of first i won't lie that was my first sort of when i first looked at flame i was kind of like okay where's my compositing window like where, where do i go to 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 drag nodes in oh what's this what's a matchbox you know what we you know, open up matchbox and look at all these what's what are all these things where's my roto what's a g mask yeah. it's all these different things i think once you train yourself to sort of pick up different softwares you can go from sony vegas to flame in no time a couple weeks man <laughs> it just takes in my case a couple years can you talk about any of the projects that you're working on now yeah, I can talk about the projects I'm working on. I can, I can talk about the project. Vaguely. I can talk about the nature of the work and what it entails. Uh, there you go. Which is, which is what everyone really wants to hear, let's be honest. It's just the, the nature of the work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm working on this, this quite, quite a cool piece for this museum that we have here called the Tate Britain. It's a 15-minute long piece, 4K, and it's basically a walkthrough of this art exhibit that is getting taken down, but they want to preserve it so they... Or well, actually, no, maybe it's well, actually no, really, when it's going to take that. But it's a beautiful exhibit. And we shot at like five, no, maybe even earlier. I think like midnight. I arrived on set at five o'clock in the morning. But we shot uh, with a steady cam, just sort of walking around the entire exhibit. And the whole idea is that the, there's these columns in the exhibit. And we, we wanted to sell the idea that it's one cut so that it just looks like one take. But we were going to like sort of transition behind these columns and do cuts. So that's how we're hiding it. Ooh. But it is technically, you know, it is technically a couple of different things. But, you know, people won't know that. It's all one, one, one cut. Right? One, well, yeah, it's just one, one, uh, one take. But it's really cool. It's, uh, it's being graded by Company Free. And, yeah, really cool director. And, yeah, and I've got another project that I'm picking up on Monday, which I don't actually know a lot about. I'm sort of just going to get completely briefed on it on Monday. But that's going to be really cool, that. As I said, I don't really know much about, but all I can say is it was filmed in Ukraine during what's going on right now in film. It looks very pretty. That's cool. Yeah. Lots of fun projects, lots of little bits. Uh, Now that we've got, you know, we've got company free sort of merged with us in London now uh, and also globally, you know, uh, it's it's specifically Mm -hmm. in our building. They're literally in our building. It's really cool because, you know, we have all these jobs coming in where some people might want to work with a specific colorist, but they also might want to have work done by us uh, or, you know, vice versa. We can offer up really good quality work. You know, if you, if you want to get it graded by some of the best as well, that's also available. So I think it's, it's great for bringing in work right now. And I'm, I'm very excited to see how this year pans out. Well, it's good though. I mean, cause they're, they're right in the same building. You want some color done? Come on, knock on my door. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cause I, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I would, yeah, no one should trust me to, grade any of their work <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm all right i'm okay i stick to values rather than my eyes sometimes though sometimes it's just like if technically this pixel needs to be this value of rgb and i'm like my, you know it just doesn't look right visually i've had arguments over that before with compositors i wouldn't say arguments sort of just some little disagreements disagreements yeah <laughs> what are some of your favorite tools that you like to use in flame oh my god good question there's a tool called y sample i think it's 
it might be a logic Y sample. Where is it? It's, uh, what? I mean, if I had f flame right now. Are you launching it right now? I can hear you. Oh my God. I would, <laughs> I, if, if I had to launch flame right now, it would, I wouldn't stop. Um, but yeah, there's a tool called Y sample. It's very cool. And it is basically like, um, you basically have like an axis and you can drop that axis anywhere in your, in your plate. So you could it basically to identify a pixel. It's more like a, more like a bounding box. It's like an axis. You drag that anywhere on your plate, and it will give you the uh, it will give you the RGB reading of wherever that pixel, wherever that sort of point is on that pixel. But then what you can do is you can animate that axis anywhere it wants. So say if you're tracking it to, say if you have a car and the car is sort of driving along, and you've tracked the car, but then you've I don't know put a bit of you put a patch on the car. Let's say you're putting a sticker on the car, but then you want you want the natural color of that car because you want to multiply that over to add the lighting. Let's say you want that, but you don't know what that value is. and You're trying to track that value across. What you can do is you can add a tracker to the car, use a Y sample, get the sort of the color readings from that. It'll give you a constant that's animating. Use that. You can blur it and multiply it over your plate and then you get nice interactive lighting. I use that a lot. Is it almost like a color match? It's pretty much a fancy color match. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much a no, color match. That's cool, match. though. <laughs> I could have just said that. Um, yeah, Y sample. I use it. I use it quite a lot. There's um, matte edge. I use a lot if I'm ever doing edge work. I find I use that. I mean, action. I do. I can do so much in an action. You know, I think. I think there's nothing wrong with a, a good old mux node to freeze a frame. <laughs> these are all great nodes. You know, these. These are these are. No, that's you good. Know, these, there's, there's just there's there's so many, but I think I think the way I use nodes in Flame, the way I comp in Flame is very different to the way I comp in Nuke. If I'm ever doing anything super crazy, I will, I usually I usually try like to keep my Flame scripts quite sort of tidy, my batches, mm -hmm. and that way I use a lot of the same nodes. I'm I'm using a lot of like action and comp. I never go crazy with it because I just find that if I'm ever doing anything like multi-layer EXRs and all this stuff, it's even sometimes too much for Nuke. And I find with Nuke, I can go down <laughs> and it's, it's easier than when I'm going left to right. And I think sometimes I load flame too much. Do you use a lot of the compass to label all your stuff too? Yeah, I use a lot of that. Yay. I think there's, a, there's also like a, an option that you can have on your viewer, I think, where you get like a tiny viewport of your script in the bottom mm -hmm. yeah i i had that enabled for quite a while and a lot of the flame guys at work were i guess just sort of teasing me about it because they're like that's exactly what a new artist would have on their on their script well not only that but actually grant k uses that a lot in his I videos think it's for the logic academy yeah i don't know if you're on the, the logic academy pro but that's awesome i signed up recently it's amazing everyone should I do should it sign up yeah totally do it grant k did something with gmask it was like an hour-long session and he uses that i think it's useful because i always get lost i don't know where i am that's my issue with it and uh, and not not just not just in flame i should just stress that's just you know a problem in life <laughs> if i could get that little box in life <laughs> yeah just a giant map but it's yeah i think flame i still very much use flame as an editorial kit with i use, I use it as an editorial sort of hub but i also i do like like i call it light compositing is kind of what I call it. Mm -hmm. Bit of cleanup. I think the cleanup is so good in Flame because especially with the stuff that I'm working on right now where I have super long form uh, sort of shots, I'm able to just scrub in my shot, find the bit I need, cut it, bring it over to my, mm -hmm. you know, my reel, work in my batch and then pull it back into my timeline. And it's just like I've done that without even leaving the software. 
it's amazing. Like I don't have to, before I would have to launch up Sony Vegas and then launch up all these things. And, you know, <laughs> but now I can just, I can just sort of drag one to another and it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, so in that aspect, I always use flame for, for stuff like cleanup and quick roto and anything beauty work always. Um, as soon as I'm dealing with CG compositing, it's just my workflow. I usually bring that into mute just because we've got tools on pipe that have dealt to work with CG, basically. It doesn't stop you from doing it in Flame. In fact, but usually mm-hmm. what I, I've done a lot of cool stuff just like doing, uh, like bringing a track, uh, bringing a plate into Nuke, geo-tracking it, and then bringing the uh, the geometry into Flame and then doing cool stuff just using shaders in Flame. So, it, you know, you can totally do it. It's just the nature of the work, I think. Do you find yourself doing equal parts Nuke and Flame now, or are you just solely working on Flame and only Nuke when you need little things? I think at the moment in this current project I am, I'm totally using both equally, 100%. But on an average project, I probably would use Flame more only because a lot of those comp things on a, on a typical day or project will be quick sort of things that I can do in Flame. The only real reason I'm, I'm even using Nuke on this project is for some stitching tools. And I only know them because of my time working with that B-Vision footage on on man versus B and I'm just familiar with them. That's the only reason I'm really using Nuke. I think I probably could have done the whole thing in Flame if I wanted to. Oh, I forgot to ask. Are you horizontal reels or vertical reels? Oh my God. I am horizontal for sure. <laughs> I was gonna say, this is a very important question. Yeah, I had to think about it for that. Horizontal for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> for sure. It's, it's the timeline in us, right? I didn't even know vertical's a thing. There you go. I didn't, that's, Check that's, it out sometime. That's blown my mind. I need to try that. It's a thing. It's in your preferences. Oh my Gio, god! Try it out. It might it might blow your mind because you are a timeline person. But yeah, give give it a try. Oh my god! No, I need to try that. I I think flame is something that I'm I'm still learning so much about, which is that's the reason I think it's so exciting. Because now that I'm getting sort of thrown into these projects where I'm running it all sort of from start to finish, I'm sort of dependent in finding ways of doing things. I'm discovering all these new tools, even AI tools. I don't know if there was an, I was looking at some of the AI tools recently come out and that's like Mm -hmm. mind blowing as well. So I think it's just a very, very sort of exciting space. And do you use the machine learning tools in Flame? Yeah. So I've used that. Yeah. That's, and that was, Mm -hmm. that was, that was insane. Like I just can't, I, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Because up until, I mean, like two weeks before me even discovering that, I was doing some beauty work on a shot and I was manually doing shapes for literally everything that was, that I could have just used AI for. And I was just, I I, I was just, yeah, I was sort of blown away by it. I was just, this is crazy. But, you know, every now and then it's nice to roto for hours, you know. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's very therapeutic. <laughs> I just put on my headphones some Beastie Boys or some Skrillex. Something yeah. That it's, you know, every once in a while, it's going to be at least 120 BPM, and then, then I can get it done. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's Oh, my God, that's the issue is that I'm finding that. I just listen to the same music. Oh, that's that's what I need. <laughs> Have you got a playlist? That's what I- <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it to you. Please. You'll get everything done with this playlist. You'll get everything done. Honestly, I find that I'm listening <laughs> to the same music over and over again. I think that's my that's my problem. Oh, one more thing though. Mm. What advice? Oh my god. <laughs> what advice would you want to give? Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Please right? don't say my younger self. <laughs> Your younger self. What would you tell your younger self about that telephone booth? Oh, God. Stay away from it. I'm going to Google the crap out of you later and try and find that. Just so I, you know. I, yeah. I, no, you Google won't, you right won't find Googling. it. <laughs> you probably will find it. What advice would you give for any other you know, younger artists mm. 
tips, assistance, anyone in your position that's like a runner? Yeah. I mean, besides waiting two days to, to try and find <laughs> someone to talk to, but <laughs> what advice would you give them? Um, I think, oh my God, I get asked this question quite a lot, actually, by people, <laughs> by students who are actually in the position, like, oh, what advice would you give? And Well, that's a, that's a good thing, though. I think fundamentally, first one, right? I always say, don't be afraid about being a runner right and don't think it's beneath you that's what i'm gonna say first mm. and foremost um so many people that i sort of went to uni with i know didn't like the idea of being a runner and i don't know what it was i think it was almost like this idea that oh i've been studying for three years i put in the work i should be working now and i deserve to get paid for it mm. which i think i think is sort of a it's not a bad ideology to have and i know people who've gone with that mentality and actually managed to get the job first uh, straight off the bat which is great but the thing about running is it's not about getting the job it's 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 about a lot of things it's sort of like one introduces you to the right people that you wouldn't meet just typically going through recruiters and just looking for job listings two it builds up a relationship with those people within the company so now you you are seen as not just you know sort of a name on a piece of paper you're actually someone they know you know you get to build relationships with them and also show them why you deserve the job and I think that's sort of like the key thing is that you're there and you can just show off pretty much. And they can't escape from you. They work with you. <laughs> so, you know, they, they have to listen to you. You're definitely building rapport. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes it comes down to the little things to see if they can trust you with responsibility. And that can be as simple as getting a coffee order, right? Yeah. I mean, like when I first when I first joined Flame, I remember I, I walked into the room and then one of the Flame artists there recognized me from when I used to serve him coffees in his suite. Oh, wow. You know, it's little things like that. It's it's a nice, you know, so I definitely think that I don't think people should bat away the idea of running because you also get introduced to new opportunities. Like I didn't even consider editorial and I was introduced to editorial via running. So if I hadn't gone through editorial, I might have never even gone into Flame or I might have never even gone into comp. Who knows what would have happened? Wow. I might have still been using Sony yeah. Vegas. Second bit of advice <laughs> is use Sony Vegas. <laughs> you got some really nice business cards by now. <laughs> Almost like Pat Patrick Bateman when he yeah, takes the card. Exactly. And he looks at it. like, it's a watermark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think that would definitely be one bit of advice. I think second bit of advice is uh, oh my God, tricky one. Is just do cool stuff. Just make cool things. Try new softwares. Try Sony Vegas. Give it a go. It yes, is, it is amazing. Please. Try it. You work for them, don't you? No, I, I wish. <laughs> That's my dream place. No, I, I can't say that. <laughs> Got to edit that bit out. <laughs> um, you know, try new softwares because if you, you know, you might be like me. You might think you really like Maya and 3D modeling and stuff, and then something suddenly magical happens and you decide to learn a completely new bit of software, and you end up falling in love with that software even more. Have a play around. Try and create a unique personal project. Make a short film. Put yourself out there. Put your name out there. Because I think that's something I regret doing. Like, I wish I did more of that stuff while I was in uni and sort of that time, maybe when I was a runner. I think it would have been very cool to sort of collaborate with the other runners to create something really cool. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do that. That's, yeah, that's a free one right there. You can say that. <laughs> Yeah, it gets everyone involved in wanting to create stuff. Yeah, exactly. And then you can you can you can go with all your other runners. You can go to the people at the top and be like, "Look, we just made a film. Give us all jobs." I'm joking. Don't do that. Maybe do that. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe try it. You never know. All runners get promoted. How cool yeah, would that be? Exactly. Exactly. And I would just say, just just you know, just be nice to people. 
that's my last bit. Phoebe, you know, it's a good it's one, a good one because yeah. you know you, you might be nice to the right person. One, no, I'm joking. That's also what people remember. Yeah, exactly. Like, they have good rapport with you. You made your, you made their coffee, right? Yes. They're gonna remember that. Yeah, I made terrible coffees in the day while I was a runner, and I was just a nice person. I think so. They didn't really care about the coffee. <laughs> so, at the end of the day, if in doubt, just try and be a nice person. That's, that's, there you go. Even if the coffee sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that that would be my final final message. Thank you, Wembley. That's that's it. <laughs> 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 I think I'm pretty powerful with that one. <laughs> But thank you so much. Thank this has you. been great chatting yeah, with you. It's been fun. All good stuff. Thank you. I loved hearing your story. This is really cool. Yeah, it's been a pretty wild ride. I mean, it's uh, who knows what will happen next in the story. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll keep flaming, I guess. Maybe I'll become a, a sort of... Hey, flame on. You know, yeah. No, exactly. Maybe become a vertical real person. Uh, you know, that, oh, boy. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm so going to try that. Like, that's the first thing I'm doing on Monday morning when I launch Flame is, is I'm checking out oh so are you flame or smoke hotkeys well i i only really ever picked up flame so i guess flame really i, I wouldn't never even know oh. i would I, well I, I, maybe i should go back and okay well why do you think smoke is better because i came from editorial too yeah and like final cut and avid mm. uh that's where the smoke hotkeys came from because smoke was really taking over for like final cut 7 when that died oh, i see the new interface in 2008 is replicating what final cut 7 maybe used i to need be. to try maybe i need to try those keys these hotkeys and maybe, maybe everything yeah give it a yeah, try you got not? a couple things you gotta try <laughs> amazing I, I'm, I'm gonna have a blast <laughs> it's gonna be great be a great time i saw one, one of my uh oh, one of my colleagues recently showed me where is it you know in the auto you know the auto key uh like button you can just change that to be like really trippy mm -hmm. things isn't that crazy i figured that yeah. out the other day i think you control click yeah. on the blue part and it just it spins i was like this, this is it's, wild. i spent i, I was in <laughs> so cool i was in one of the vfx suites and one of the flame suites and i think i was just sitting there for about 38 minutes watching this thing spin which <laughs> probably wasn't it's a little thing wasn't really probably a good look for people but you know it was it was quite fun <laughs> I want to work on flame. I'm just going to yeah, stare at the other key for 30 minutes. Just, just weird psychedelic thing. It's like just going crazy. Is he okay? Yeah, he's fine. He's all right. Yeah, he's all right for now. <laughs> Thank you so much. This Thank has been you. great. Thank you, Amanda. This is it's awesome. Been, I can't. I can't wait to talk to you again in the future and see where you're. You're going places. I love it. I hope so. I, I, yeah. Well, maybe next time we chat, maybe I will be working for Sony Vegas. It'll be like a completely different. Like, oh. Huh. That'll definitely be a fun podcast then. Yeah, I don't even know if they'll let me talk about Flame. I reckon they have some sort of, you know, strict guideline, but Vegas is the best. Stick to Vegas. <laughs> That's on the back of the, the business cards. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. It was good Thank talking you. to you. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. This episode of The Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to the Logic family our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. If you need any help with roto, paint, 3D match move, or cleanup, I highly encourage you to give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com See you next time. <laughs>